our bodies are very complex things that make very little sense sometimes. And all we got to do is just, um, you know, do what we can to not die. <laughs> you know? They're like, they're like computers. Like they're like technology it pisses me off and I never understand what the, what the fuck is going on. Our body is like a shitty product that if I could, if I could take my body back to the manufacturer, I would, I would be such an unhappy customer. Yeah. But then what about all these stupid, annoying people that somehow are always healthy and happy and all that? What about them? Do they get a good model? Is that? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're eating healthy and exercising or more likely, I think they're lying. So you're like that person that puts a pop tart in the CD player and then tries to take it back, even (laughs) though you were the one that fucked it. Yeah, I guess, I guess. Yeah. Like I just fucking (laughs) drink a bottle of wine every day and just eat, eat garbage food and don't blame your metabolism, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And then, and then I'm like, this body is bullshit. It's not working properly. Hi, uh, welcome to Movie Butts. Uh, I'm Arnie Joe. I'm Dane. This is a you know our little podcast thing that we do where you know I I do a bunch of math. We do a bunch of math. Um, basically, I aggregate the Rotten Tomatoes, the Metacritic, the IMDb user and audience scores. Plus the budget and box office and adjusting for a little bit of inflation. Put it all in this giant um, steampunk olive oil machine that we invented last week, uh, last episode. And um, yeah, it spits out the math. Um, what did we, what, what are we watching this week, Dane? This week we watched Dogtooth. Yeah, so this is the follow-up to part one, if you haven't seen it already, which was the favorite, which is mathematically the best of Yorgos Lanthimos, uh, which is the subject for this week. Um, We actually had to essentially take the math behind the shed and put it down like old yeller because um, uh, we couldn't actually properly watch his worst, which is a film called Alps. So I ended up making the executive decision that we were going to watch Dogtooth, which is his first proper commercial film that he did it's not as commercial as commercial can be for greek cinema it's yeah. his first movie to actually get noticed by people and to he's a greek him blockbuster yeah it's not <laughs> this is not a blockbuster um technically uh if we were to do this in the correct way and to abide by the math the second worst would be a movie called the killing of a sacred deer however Alps is one of his Greek films, and I wanted and I thought it would do better justice for the subject if we were to cover another one of his Greek films. So that's why we watched Dogtooth instead of watching two of his American films. Um, yeah, so uh, do you want to do you want to give a little bit of a description for Dogtooth? Um, so Dogtooth is about a controlling father who he works at um, as a like a manager at a factory or something. And, um, he, so he has a, a big house. It's like a, quite a large compound, um, with a large fence around it and him and his wife have been keeping their children who are now adults inside this compound their entire lives. And they know practically nothing about the outside world. Um, they've just been confined to this space 
and their parents control everything they 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 think essentially anything they know about the world comes through their parents and they don't get to access movies or anything like like that um yeah it's basically a conservative fantasy yeah that's that's a description of it for sure i think it's probably worth mentioning that the father and the mother pretty much brainwash the children into thinking that there is no outside world or what is outside is incredibly dangerous by miseducation so yeah, they say you can only leave the compound by car like you, you can't walk around outside. You have to be in a car. Yeah, you know, it's uh, the, the, there's a part where they witness a cat, and the the parents to fulfill their to help enforce their fantasy say that it's a deadly creature that can kill you. Um, yeah, it's it's not that they're just locked in. It's that they're they're pretty well brainwashed into thinking that there is nothing else really out there. Would you mm. agree? Yeah. Well, yeah, they don't know anything of the outside world, just that it's dangerous and you can't walk around out there. It, and they, it's not they, that they don't not know about the outside world. It's that the parent, the parents like go out of their way to teach them the wrong things about the outside world, you know? Yeah. Um, and they get, they get nothing from it. Like not even movies or anything like, um, when they have like their pick your evenings, the entertainment, um, one of them's, picks can we watch a video and he's like yeah we haven't watched a video for a while so he puts a video on and i think it's maybe set in the 70s or 80s or something so he puts a video on and um their video are like home movies of them that they shot inside the compound and they just watch that so they really are living in a bubble mm. it's uh to the point where you can see that they've done everything that they can possibly do that they're just tr they're so bored that they come up with the most radically insane things to pass the time you know like the the film opens with uh them getting taught words wrong so like the parents leave them little messages where they say that um like a you know, an elevator is a lampshade, like stupid shit like that. But mm. then they just start like, because they're so bored, they just start putting their finger under the tap and like burning themselves because yeah, that's all the they younger... can do. They've got nothing else to do except for, yeah. you know. It should be said that at the beginning of the film, they, they don't, I wouldn't say that they're happy, but they seem kind of content, but only because that's, that's kind of their, their whole world. So there's at the beginning of the film, there's no inner struggle. That's, that's, that's visible at the start, just this, um, extreme boredom. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the younger sister comes up with endurance games that they all put their finger under a boiling hot tap and then see who can leave it there the longest. Mm. It's the, um, it's ignorance is bliss in a way, you know, um, they, because they have no outside influences, I, I wouldn't see any reason as to why they wouldn't be happy or not understand why they should be happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, let's backtrack a tiny bit. What did you, uh, what did you think of Dogtooth? Um, I really liked it and, um, it's one of those movies that I'm definitely going to watch again and, uh, only watched it yesterday, Arvo, 
and I'm still thinking about it and I know I'm going to be still thinking about it for a while, you know? Did it, so, did it have a bit of a, a learning curve for you? Like, did it take a little while for you to get into it or were you intrigued from the beginning or like, when well, did you, when did you kind of catch on as to what you were watching? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what it was about. I just knew it was called Dogtooth. And so if you, if you, I would strongly recommend watching it and knowing nothing about it because that was awesome to figure out just what the fuck is going on here. And it doesn't really make any efforts to explain that. You, you just learn that through the interactions. Mm. Uh, and it's, and it's, all, it's all pretty funny to, to learn, like, how messed up these kids are. Well, they're adults now. Um, by things like, okay, so, like, a pl like planes fly over their house. And they'll see planes but they don't, they don't really know what they are. And the parents have told them that they can fall out of the sky. And if they fall out of the sky, they have to race to get it. And so sometimes a plane will fly over the house and then the mum sneakily throws a little toy plane in the backyard. And then the dad will be like, oh, it fell, it's over there. And then they run over and pick up the toy plane and they actually think that they've, they've picked up the plane in, in the, in the sky. So I remember that scene was like the thing that gave it away of like, okay, they, they are f fully mentally fucked. They have never been outside this compound. They are nothing about the outside world. They are just kind of completely bonkers. What what would you describe the tone of this film as? Um, it's quite strange, but um, I would say it, it felt like I was watching a documentary. I'm I'm glad you said that because I find I found this incredibly, how, however absurd it was, a lot of it I found incredibly believable. You know, it felt, yeah. it felt fly on the wall of something that I shouldn't be seeing because it shouldn't fucking exist, you know? Yeah. Even in the way that it's shot, like all the shots, um, uh, are, are still and, um, the camera doesn't like the, the, the camera doesn't move and the shots don't change much for like many scenes we're stuck with the one frame usually all will alternate between two, maybe three. And it just sits there. And when the characters move around, it doesn't follow them because sometimes they'll, they'll stand up and their heads are, are, are cut off by the top of the frame. So it felt like there's just a camera stuck there and we're just seeing this. Mm, yeah. Again, which I think, I think that helps you to, believe that it's real because this isn't a this isn't a movie that you can sit there and just ask question after question of, of like yeah but if they were like this then wouldn't this happen and if you, you if you do that you're gonna fucking ruin it for yourself but also um it kind of in, invites you to not do that by presenting it in this um kind of like a documentary style because it, it makes it feel more real like you're actually watching something that's happening because it's, 
like I'd call this almost absurdist in a way. It's so absurd and so unbelievable that it it walks that fine line. You know, if it was shot any like zanier and in any more of a you know contrived fashion, the artifice of it would would be hard to swallow. It would become a bit more bit too goofy. You know what I mean? Yeah. With, a, with a premise like this, but to just to kind of have the camera there and be just this objective um, observer of the situations, uh, like it actually, uh, to personally, it made some things quite horrific as well. Like I find this film uh, rather a bit of a like like physically confusing because there are some moments that are hysterically funny. But at the same time, I'm feeling like this weird claustrophobic dread as well. And yeah. and that does have to do with the presentation and the way that it's made, of course. But mm-hmm. yeah, in, 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 in the hands of a lot of other filmmakers, uh, this would be laughably bad. And it would present itself for these questions to be asked. Like that, if we were to be uh, angry mixed stick-up butt pants... There were there are a lot of uh, logic holes in this that we could um, we could poke, but because because the, the care was put into it, mm. um, we're not really given the chance to do that. Yeah, yeah, you, you you're really missing the point if you start doing that. That's why mm. I was saying that that it's like the you know. If you're saying like, well, if this happened in the real world, surely someone would know and they mm. would act more like this. It's like you have to take you have to take it at face value. It's more the film's more metaphorical than literal. You can't watch this and be like, this is really happening in our universe. Mm. But I think it does a good job of um um making you feel like it's this this out of you know, this uh this this alternate world experience um, because even the, the di- so the dialogue is very strange within the compound, but you can imagine that that makes sense. But even at his, even at their workplace, uh, when you, when you see the dad going to work, when he talks to the, the employees and stuff, their, their dialogue is very um, stilted and strange and, um, which which gives it this like otherworldly effect? Yeah, I see. I don't think it's a it's. A, I, I think that's a statement as to about the father as a character. Like you know, he's he's clearly a control freak. If he's created this like fake world for his children, and you know, him his wife is like I like I don't know how much of it the wife uh, and the mother is in charge of it, but it doesn't sound like she is. She seems to be just subordinate to the whole thing i it seems like it's the dad's idea but if he's that kind of person and he has the agency and the ability to go this far with his kids it, mm. it makes sense for him to kind of talk in that way to outsiders as well you know yeah yeah i was wondering if the um the mum was just as into it as he was or if she was also a victim of him until um, so when the cat comes into the yard, they freak out because they've never seen a cat before, and the son kills it because uh, they're, they're, they're petrified of it. So the dad comes up with an excuse to say, like, um, uh, 
oh, a cat is the, the deadliest creature of all, and you have to be careful. And he teaches them all how to bark like dogs in order to um, keep cats away. And they're all on their knees barking like dogs at his command. And, and the it's wife the mum as well. Also, yeah, his wife is also on the ground barking like a dog. And that's when I was like, okay, she's also... Under his um, thumb in a way. Because it yeah. doesn't look like she leaves the compound either, you know? No, she so, doesn't. So, you know, again, it could be a personality type. She's kind of, I don't, I hate saying like into that sort of thing. Like she, you know, there are some more submissive people in the world than there are, you know, there are as many submissive people in the world as there are control freaks. So, you know, it kind of makes sense that someone might be willing to go on with it. Or, you know, there's some other mind games that we're not completely aware of yeah, going on. Yeah, but she's not kept, she's... She, she knows about the outside world. Of course. Um, and so she's also an active participant in brainwashing the, the children, but she's also corrupted by him. So mm. I think that's fair to say that she's also a victim of this guy. Mm. This, uh, this film is a... I love foreign cinema a lot of the time. Uh, well, all of the time, but reason why I like films like this from other countries is that like, because I'm not familiar with say stars from Greece that I'm looking at these people and they're the characters to me. Like yeah. if this was made in America or Australia, hypothetically, let's just say America yeah. and the kids are played by Timothy Chalamente and a bunch of other young up and coming American actors, yeah, this Jennifer film Lawrence. would not work. You know what I mean? Like it, it mm. uh, with that with that documentary style, these characters to me seem so real and like it was it was again it was quite horrific when things would happen. But yeah, it's just a testament to just I see. I don't know. Do you think do you think this would have had the same effect in Greece? Do you think these actors may have been known and people are like oh yeah that's that guy? I think it's I think it's an added benefit for us, but I don't. I mean, I couldn't say if it would, if it would take me out of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, if the, if the performances were there, you know, but it was definitely an added benefit for us. Well, we hey, were just you, talking about Emma Stone in The Favourite and that seemed to be something that both took us out of that film. You more than me. Right. But I also know Rachel Weisz and Olivia Colman and that didn't take me out of the film. I believed that those characters were those characters. It's because Emma Stone is bad. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. Let's not go down that path. But uh, on the, on the topic of, uh, if this was a, um, an American production, if they got this script and made it in America, I think it would be the village. Ah, uh, okay. So I was, how do you uh, think it would turn out? Well, I think they'd look at it and, 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 uh, it would, it would turn out like the village where it would be, um, it would have to be a like some stupid twist or you'd have to have um a really over the top method of escaping and then they they break out and then they're like oh it's actually set in the real world do you know what i mean mm. but like i was just thinking of the village the whole time i was watching this that is not an insult to this film because it's but it's a similar idea of like people who are, are separated from society and have a complete alternate reality placed in their head mm. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so you watched this and the favorite back to back. Am I correct? Yeah. Which one did you watch this before you watched the favorite? Yeah. Did, did that affect your opinion on the favorite at all? Um, well, probably. As um, wait, in how, in what way could it have affected your opinion? I'm just curious. Cause I saw this before I saw the favorite. Um, I think, I think cynically it did in, um, that I was so delighted by this, um, strange low budget movie. That's something quite unlike anything I've seen before. And then I'm just like watching a fucking Hollywood period piece. Okay. Even, even though it's, you know, a, kind of like a different take on what the the usual thing is mm. it still just felt like i'm watching a i'm watching a movie that they gave to this guy because they 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 think he can win an oscar mm. that's like, fair here's an oscar film for you if you do this you might win an oscar or- i wouldn't be surprised if he was the one that went out looking for the for the, you know, that film to kind of break through. A favorite? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it was his project in a way. You know what I mean? Like, not them coming to him going, direct this, more like him going, I need to find something that's a bit more palatable. Yeah, it's not like he directed the King's Speech. Like, this is, like, the favorite is still um, in his wheelhouse, mm. you know? Well, his because he did um, after after Dogtooth, he's done I think three other movies. One being Alps, which is the one we didn't get to watch. The other is The Lobster, which I think you may have heard of. Do you know The Lobster? Yeah. Um, and then Killing of a Sacred Deer, and those movies like one of them is like a like a like a cult film. A lot of people love it, but they because they're so bizarre and similar to the, his Greek films, uh, they didn't make any money at all. So. You know, it could have been desperation or something. Like he had to make something that worked if he wanted to continue having a career in Hollywood. Yeah. But I, I, I think there's there's a lot more cynical films out there that, you know, that have been made, worse films that have been made for similar reasons, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, he didn't make um, uh, Cats. No, God. That's made by the guy that made uh, The King's Speech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I have to say with this film, I, I thought it was interesting reading about it that they shot the whole film on the same lens. And again, that could that could have potentially been uh, a help in terms of that immersion of the documentary feel. You know, that's like one element that's been stripped back, like on top of, you know, no camera movements, a lot of available light. If you're looking at the world through the same lens the entire time, it can become immersive you know and it's these little things that the brain picks up on sometimes but you don't necessarily pick up on yeah um but yeah no it's it's i i really like this film i've watched this more times than i'd like to admit because <laughs> it's not too long you know what i mean like it's something that's not too long it it gives you a bit of everything like it's uh, i'm assuming you you found this funny too right yeah i was actually gonna ask you did you find this um leaning more on the side of comedy or horror well 
I, I comedy to be perfectly honest, yeah. but it's horrific. You know, yeah, it I, can be I, horrific. I, it, but- had, it always has this. Um, I feel like the comedy, the comedy part of it comes and goes, but when it's funny, it's really funny. Um, but there is this underlying creepiness to it that's more just like a like a a subtle consistent hiss and you just it always makes you feel a little bit uneasy but not as uncomfortable as you might think you'd feel given the 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 premise i never felt super uncomfortable watching it but i always felt slightly uneasy yeah you 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 couldn't settle in you know, you, th- yeah. there was always that feeling of something. I think the reason I could not class this as a horror film is because of the the lack of a traditional uh, story arc. You know what I mean? Like for mm. for for a horror, there still has to be some form of I don't want to say entity, but there has to be some force. Now, the 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 moving force in this film, if there if you can really if you had to pick one. Uh, doesn't really become obvious until quite late in the film. So for for me, for it to consider it a horror movie, I think it would need to have a bit more of that through line. Mm-hmm. But that would take away from the experience, you know? Like the this film had that conventional kind of through line, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be nearly as effective or enjoyable, you know? Yeah, another thing that um, I liken it to a documentary or, or what a documentary <laughs> should be, is just um, uh, a, like a, an unbiased depiction of events. Yeah. Most most documentaries take a strong stance and uh, and, a hef- and fall heavily on one side and try to drastically elicit emotions from the audience. But I think uh, you know the best documentary is just a presentation of something that's happening, um, and 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 this movie just sort of presents these scenarios it just it presents the situation to you and offers you nothing else i mean there's there's no soundtrack to this is there i didn't pick up on one i don't think there's a a traditional score there's no score at all and if it is it's so subtle that it's you feel it rather than hear it you know yeah it, it just kind of lets the 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 creepiness of the situation do its own work and never tries to force you to feel uncomfortable. It's just presented as a matter of fact, which I think is genius. Mm, and that uh, I comes- mean, this is a this is a premise that could end up, like you said, looking incredibly stupid. It would be so easy to fuck this up, but like he nailed it. Mm, yeah, it's the it's the the padding, all the, all the ingredients lent itself to this film. And I, again, I'm, he's one of the filmmakers at the moment that I'm keeping my eye firmly on and anything, when the world returns to normal and I can actually go to the fucking movies, I'll certainly be seeing everything he does at the cinema, you know? Yeah. Um, just cause he's got a mind, he's got something that a lot of, um, there, there's a lot of good filmmakers around at the moment. We're, we're living in a really good era for film um yeah film's coming back baby film's coming back you know it's uh, people i'm sure some people argue that it's always been there and of course it has but um you know it's 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 really good to to see these uh, i don't want to say them 
people in the digital era because I'm sure this, like, it's quite obvious this was shot on film. But the the new guard, um, the films are starting to get a bit more recognition, you know, mm. and it's not just uh, Civil War Two. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> this time it's Spider Man versus Captain know, Marvel. Other, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Is there anything that you that you didn't like? See, this is see, this is what this film gets one of my red spoilers. This gets one of my red ten out of ten farts. So, mm. um, not really. the The only thing that I and this is you know how we're talking about you can put that hat on and you could be that wanker that points things out. Yeah. After um, after watching it a few times, I am kind of a bit annoyed by the fact that uh the girl from the outside world is kind of just allowed to loiter around the house that to me i don't find believable like she shouldn't be able to just go into one of the girls rooms and say lick my pussy if the dad is that worried about the outside world he wouldn't let that happen yeah because that's the thing that sets off the main chain of events that I mean, I think more than half the film is just us experiencing their life until um, this woman, the security guard that he he works with, um, that he brings to his house to have sex with his son, um, he won't go down on her. um, And so, yeah, that woman goes into the bedroom of the older daughter and is like, hey, do you want this headband? Um, just eat my pussy. Oh, okay. And it's like, yeah. Like, how much does this? Because he puts a blindfold on her to drive to the house, but then she knows that they're desperate for outside world things, so she offers her a headband. And yeah, and the dad, who who walks the woman into the son's room and even <laughs> makes the bed for them. Um, yeah, just kind of then lets her mosey on about the house. Did that annoy you as well? It didn't until you just brought it up. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, and damn it, because that's the thing that really sets the, you know, the, the main change in the film, because that's what, um, uh, cause at the end, the, you know, that, that older, um, daughter, she, she eats pussy and then suddenly has a, has an awakening and then she I love then, that. She then <laughs> trades. She then Christina, blackmails the, her. Pretty the woman much. then trades videos for for her doing that later. And then she watches Rocky and Flashdance, and then that sets off the chain of events that eventually leads to her escaping. So that all does happen quite quickly, as well. Um, yeah, it's all right towards the towards the end. Most of it's just us watching them do their thing yeah it, it takes a while for that part of the story to kick in i'd say we're about three thirds of the way three quarters of the way through the film but yeah again that's me nitpicking mm. um because without that there wouldn't really be a um i get i, I like i guess do, do you think this film really needs that ending uh no, I don't think it. I don't think it does. But I wouldn't say that that means it shouldn't have that ending. I liked the ending. Yeah. Um. 
But if if it had have just continued to carry on and we just learn more about what they're doing and see more of these events, I would just be fine because it was just fascinating watching this little this little world that he that he'd built, this little alternate universe that these people lived in. But I think I, I liked I, the ending. I think it, like, yeah, I like the ending too. I think, again, this is me nitpicking because I've seen it a few times and I notice it. But hypothetically, if the reason that the girl becomes more interested in the outside world is a bit more organic, you know what I mean? Less of a pot device. Uh, it could have said a bit more about how, however much you want to lock people out or people in, it's impossible to keep the outside world from coming in. Yeah. But that they're not saying that because they they invite the outside world in mm. and then that's what causes the problem. But I don't know. It's again, the, I love this fucking movie so much and I can, it's, it's easy for me to not really think about it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. about you? Is there anything that annoyed you about the film? Um, no, no, not really. Um, I mean, you just made a, a heaps good point. Um, but no, not really. I liked, um, I just wanted to make special mention of how the camera is still the whole time until the girl leaves and then it's, then it's tracking her ha- handheld. Mm. I just thought that was really effective. That's just a, a very simple thing to do. You see that used quite often, like Nicholas Winding Refn uses that in Drive, that it's like, it's all still until things turn to shit and then they switch to handheld, but um, they used it really, really, uh, really well in this. They, if there's anything I've learned from film school and from make from past mistakes, I'm trying to be a wank ass filmmaker. It's the, the, if you can shoot a shot or a scene still do it. Mm. Um, all movement needs an, like an, like a, very specific motivation otherwise you're just being a pretentious wanker Oof. and you're just trying to show off you know what i mean you're flex your michael filmmaking bay. guns just yeah being, you're being michael bay just being dynamic dynamic shots yeah and i'm, and I'm sure you know like that there's a lot of better filmmakers that are dynamic for dynamic sake um but i guess it's their style like i'm sure if we ask Spielberg why his camera's moving all the time, he'll give a good enough reason for it and I won't be able to argue with him. You know what I mean? Uh, he knows more than me. But, yeah, no, it's uh, it's good to... I, I think restraint is good and it's something that we don't usually... We don't see enough of at times. Um, back to what I... Uh, in the previous... In part one of this, I was talking about... Uh, how there are some visible flaws in the filmmaking and um, that kind of, for me, enhanced the favourite. There was a moment at the end of this where the dad is running outside to look for the daughter Mm. and the shot's just disgusting. (laughs) But I liked it. You know what I mean? It looks like someone has, yeah, a, a home video camera out in the bush yeah, know. like the the camera. Obviously, the film speed wasn't fast enough for the for the darkness, so they had to bump it up. So it's grainy as all fuck. Yeah, but it you know um, but it works. It goes with the chaos of the the situation. Yeah, 
Um, I'm, I'm curious, what did you think happened? This is just like fan theorizing or anything. What do you think happened to the older brother? I didn't, I didn't think that there ever was one. Oh, so you think that that was, that they made him up? Yeah, they just made him up. Interesting. I didn't think of that. I, 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 I thought in my head that maybe he escaped or he died or something and that they, you know, of course made this elaborate story as to why he's not there anymore. Yeah, I just assume that um, they made him up because they um, they also say like after the the, the cat attack, I think it is mm-hmm. the the mum and dad concoct a, a lie that she's pregnant with twins, and then they tell the kids, "If you're good, we won't have twins." <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have twins, so two of you are gonna have to share your room. And they're like, I don't, I don't want to share my room. It's like, well behave and maybe i'll decide not to have the twins but also it's probably worth mentioning she's going to give birth to twins and a dog oh yeah (laughs) yeah she's going to give birth to twins and a dog yeah that's crazy um so uh anything else you want to pontificate about this film no i mean i could just sit here all day and talk about how good it is but oh yeah you know What's the, what's the point in that? We don't really need to sit here and suck each other's dicks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I sent you some, um, some reviews. Um, do you mind, uh, giving them a read? Yep. So basically as a part of this, um, I basically go and I find the best and worst highly, rated imdb reviews just and we give them a read just because i like to see uh what people of the world not critics have to think about the films that we watch you know the everyman you're the everyman you know and some of them are everyman and then some of them are fucking scholars who use too many fucking words you know we get a mixed bag so this is a 10 out of 10 review by riffraff richard um Sounds like my kind of guy. Not that strange or removed from anyone's reality. A whole language of deceit is created by a father to make sure that his family don't venture into the unknown, which he fears will corrupt them. This film talks about the myths and lies we are told to maintain status quo and the appearance of stability and normality. It explores the abuse of protecting a child from outside influences to the extreme of denying human instincts and inquisitiveness about their world. It shows how telling lies, oh, telling children lies for their own safety makes them fearful of the world and patronizes their in spelt their wrong dipshit, their innate understanding about life. It's amazing because it creates a world with an absurd, fully realized vocabulary that is completely understood by the members of this family. Its surreal nature forces you to question the oddness and the parameters of your own existence. A life unquestioned and unexplored leads to a stagnant swamp of confusion. What? What are you talking you, about? So, I I would just like to quickly mention that the this is another little nitpick that this guy's pointed out for me. The whole language thing, I don't think they really have a separate language. You know, it's like, for me, I don't really think he lent into that as much as he did at the beginning. It's you know a strange I mean? syntax, though. Oh, yeah, of course, but it's not like that, you know, there's like a point where she's like, can you pass the phone and she and he passes the salt. 
Mm. You know, like I thought it would have been interesting now that they set that up that they could have probably um, did a bit more with that, if you know mm. what I mean. Because for, mo- for the most part, they're speaking quite normal. Like they're not saying weird words in places unless I'm not noticing it. No, they're um, not saying weird words. They're just speaking quite strangely. Of course. I mean, you don't talk like, like they don't have any slang. They talk like they've never watched The Simpsons. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So what, what annoyed you about uh, Riff Raff Richard's review? Uh, well, you know, I just didn't understand what he's talking about. I get I mean, it. He's like, this film, uh, I mean, maybe, but to say like, this film is a warning. Yeah, no, I... I think that's a bit far, but it it is making a statement of overprotective parents and then what happens to kids when they're sheltered. Sure, I, I do agree with him that that's what it's saying. Making it's it's obviously an an assessment, and but, an, and in an, and a, and a creative interpretation of that. But I don't like it when people say that films are making warnings or statements or saying it's sending a message. Yeah, well, that's it, what propaganda is. <laughs> It's a real film. It's just someone's interpretation. It's just art. You're just being creative. Chill the fuck out. This, you don't um, have to try to the, take lessons from this riffraff Richard. The um the bit that I disagree with him. I, I agree with most of what he's saying to to a point. Uh, the film takes about that talks about the myths and lies we are told to maintain status quo and appearances of stability and normality. I don't think it really dives into that at all. If it had a bit more to do with his in, the interaction of the father in the outside world and saying my family's fine and all this sort of stuff, but mm. that doesn't really happen. So I don't really agree that this is that was really a theme of this film. To be perfectly honest, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, Any, it's a weird one because I felt like it was being quite, quite openly, um, like a, a look, uh, like a you know, a surreal metaphorical look at, um, uh, uh, the nature of a controlling person. Yeah. You know, um, you know, trying to, yeah, like trying to keep a lid on people's experiences to protect them ultimately leads to, uh, mental illness or, you know, something, something worse. But I mean, I didn't really... we didn't really talk about that because I feel like that would be like us reviewing uh, d- or discussing Parasite and bringing up, uh, you know, class struggles. It's like, yeah, it's kind of obvious. It's it's boring to go to go into that when they're not even being subtle about it in the film. Yeah, like I, I'm more inclined to talk about themes and stuff where it's not as obvious what the themes are yeah i mean or I of said, course yeah, if exactly. i have a radical opinion on what the theme is but it's this film isn't really hiding what it's trying to say yeah it's about control yeah we get um, it you're not smart richard <laughs> you're, you're so mean to these beautiful people <laughs> anyway they're national treasures and you're not um do you mind reading the bad one now yeah wait this one's a 10 out of 10 too no i sent you a oh, wait, 1 out of 10 go. and a 10 out of 10 
No, we got... Oh, you sent me two 10 out of 10s. Oh, good. I read the short one of the 10 out of 10. Wait. No, this is No, the... I sent you... The, 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 the long one was for... I got um... it. I'm an idiot. I got it. Here we go. One out of 10. This is by Steve J. Triple eight. Nice. There's a difference between funny and stupid. <laughs> I would argue that there's not. If I learned anything from reading viewer reviews on IMDb, it is that no matter how good I think a film is, someone is going to hate it, and vice versa. I've also learned that when a film has won an award at Cannes, is that is that pronounced Khan or Cannes? That's Khan, right? It's Khan. Yeah. Um, right, the no, S is silent. Yeah. What is it? Spanish? It's French. I've also, I've also learned that when a film has won an award at Cannes, there's a good chance it's going to be awful. What? <laughs> I've concluded that some people like certain films solely because they are different. Even when there is no story, no humor, or no action, a film can still have some value if it has one essential element. Truth. Oh, speak it, brother. This film has absolutely nothing. The characters portrayed are no-shows. There are no reasons for their actions. They have no reality. That's okay for a comedy, but this film isn't the least bit funny. The film is sometimes visually appealing, but so what? Some images are nicely composed, but even completely random use of a camera will eventually yield something. As an alternative to watching this, I'd recommend simply walking around or sitting on a park bench for 90 minutes. <laughs> that would be just as visually appealing and more interesting than watching this dog of a film. Fwoar, scathing. He fucking hated this film. <laughs> he had such a shit time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting because the opening of his review sounds like he's going to be like, a lot of people, you know, probably like this, but I don't. I'm going to be polite about it. Sorry, guys. I didn't like it. No, sit on a park bench instead of watching a dog film. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, I think I think a film... Uh, wait. If I think a film is someone... Oh, if I like a film, someone is going to hate it and vice versa. Yeah, he's saying, hey, everyone's got different tastes. You're not going to please but everyone. But fuck you for liking this film because it yeah, sucks. Yeah, but then he's like, but this is objectively fucking shit. Nice. I like that review. Um, you disagree with him though, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know what he's, it's weird. I don't know what he's talking about. So, so he says, uh, even when there is no story, no humor or no action, a film can still have some value if it has one essential element truth. Now I thought he was going to say that, uh, this film was like pretentious and that it has truth. So people are going to like it, but it sucks and it's boring. No, he's saying that this doesn't even have that. Yeah. There's no truth. I think, I think this is the guy we were talking about. In that he got too literal with it mm. and just thought the whole thing was bullshit. That he's like, this could never happen. But, you know, people would know. How's it, how is it that this Christina woman knows the situation, but she hasn't told anyone and word doesn't get out and blah, blah, blah. Like, why doesn't Christina just go to the cops after he bashes her in the head with the VCR player? It's like, the film is, I think, mostly metaphorical in yep. a way. So 
this guy's an idiot, but also to say that it has no story, it does. I mean, he didn't I think, think there are a lot of smart people out there that are just too stubborn. You know, like as soon if they if they have a predisposed like a predisposition for how a film should be, mm. however smart they might be, they might be the best chess player in the world. They might have read War and Peace four times, but if they don't get something, they they're unwilling to try. Mm. And I think that's a lot of people like film buffs. If they don't get something straight away, their their immediate response is to hate it and say that it sucks and that it's pretentious. Mm. I think that's more this than him. I think him taking it completely literal as a result of that stubbornness to really see anything outside of his, you know, conventional box of understanding. Yeah. I mean, he also says it has no humor. And I mean, you can say this that film is hilarious. You can say that you didn't find it funny, but the humor is obviously there. Uh, and then no action. He bashes his woman's head in with a VCR player. They kill a cat with a, 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 you know, uh, some shears. And that girl smashes herself in the face with a rock. Knowing the tone of this review, though, I don't think he means action as in like, pew, 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 pew. I think he means action as in like plot, as in like things happening. I think that's more what he means. Mm. Yeah, I guess I, you know, I can see some people finding that to be boring that it's like yeah i get it they're stuck in the compound so what's gonna happen and then it's not until yeah we're like two-thirds of the way through that something actually does happen and things start to change Mm. um but yeah if that's not your thing that's that's not your thing like i said i would have been perfectly fine if if there actually was no story and it's just watching these people and I, I would have been fine with that as well i i do think that the the bit of forward momentum near the end does help it but it's not necessary but yeah for this guy i i i think there are some films that he needs to definitely avoid because they'll just make him angry <laughs> anyway uh is there any other closing little statement you'd like to make about Dogtooth? Um, yeah, are you, are you there? Can you hear me? Hello? Joe? Yep. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, sorry, you just turned into a robot for a minute and I was trying to just, I was just trying to hear you still talking. I couldn't understand what you were saying, but I was trying to gather the gist of it, but then I just couldn't So what I said was, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, (laughs) robot, beep, boop. No, um, what I asked was, uh, do you have any closing thoughts or sta- uh, anything you'd like to say about Dogtooth before we uh, wrap up? Um, yeah, definitely everyone should watch this movie, whether you like it or not. I think it's an essential watch. Yeah, this this, this is, again, it's an experience. There are some movies that are, you know, for me, this has infinite rewatch value, but for some people, this film might be like Requiem for a Dream, where it, you know, it's worth at least watching once and respecting it and understanding it for what it is. Oh, whether hey, or not you've, um, I do not agree with that. You don't have to watch Requiem for a Dream. That movie sucks. Well then, um, 
it's uh, nevertheless it's an experience one that <laughs> you, you you can uh, for dane uh you can go without but for me i think it's something that's always worth it seeing at least once but i think this one has a little bit more to it um in 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 just in in a light enjoy like i, I don't want to call this hey this is light enjoyment but this is something that's easily if you like your kooky stuff this is quite enjoyable um i gave it away uh, earlier on but this gets my my rare 10 out of 10 farts gets the full big wet fart um simply because i find this film incredibly inspiring um when i see something like this it makes me feel like i can make something like this and it makes me feel positive about my career as a filmmaker we could fucking make this dane mm. you know what's stopping us from making fucking this Nothing. Let's just remake Dogtooth. And well, let's not remake fucking Dogtooth. But it's it's he. We'll get it, some friends together and we'll remake Dogtooth over a weekend. Sounds fun to me. Sounds great. Let's just do Dogtooth two. Yes. Uh, dog te- it's called yes. Dog Teeth. It's called Dog Teeth. Yes, yeah, called Dog Teeth, and it's just um, <laughs> I'm going to make Dog Teeth, and it's just me in my own house and you've gone crazy on your own yeah and i'm setting these arbitrary rules for myself um what's your fart rating for dog tooth dane uh yeah 10 10 out of 10 uh this is one of the best movies i've ever seen and holy shit um, i don't want to that's big yeah i don't want to say like um it's more that it's it's um it's original and it's extremely well made and it's worth rewatching and studying. Um, yeah. Yeah, fair. Um, and Requiem so- for a Dream gets a 1 out of 10. Oh, wow. Okay, so one day we're going to have to talk about Requiem for a Dream just because <laughs> you've made a deal about it. Um, before I ask for your recommendation for next week, I just would like to ask, what's your opinion of um, uh, There Will Be Blood today? Uh, still a good movie. Uh, I'm going to watch it again tonight. Oh, really? Okay. Well, uh, I'm keen to hear what your thoughts are of, uh, there will be blood next week. Uh, this time it's your turn to make a suggestion. What are we going to watch next week, Dane? Uh, David Fincher. David Fincher. So do you want to name an error of David Fincher or do you just want me to do the math for all of it? Because uh, for me personally, I find that there's two distinct errors of Fincher. Yeah. Um, do you want to do up until uh, Panic Room Fincher or after Panic Room Fincher or do you want to just do all of it? No, let's do up to Panic Room because I agree uh, there's there's two two. Phases. Actually, actually, you know what? Let, let me just let me just get it up here. I think uh, it might not be Panic Room for me. It's actually it's Zodiac. From we we won't do Alien Three. Let's leave that out. So from seven to Zodiac, how does that sound? Yeah, sick. And then I'll do the math for the best and the worst, and then another time down the future we can do his second half because I I I think he changed. I think... Um, yeah, I think so. You know, like, you can't really put Curious Case of Benjamin Button and the social network in the same conversation as Seven. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, this has been Movie Butts. If you want to send us an email, send it to moviebuttspod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.